so glad to be with you. It's been a long time since Jackie and I have had the pleasure of being with you here at, at the Canadian Church of Christ, and we have missed you. When I retired from Eastern European Mission and my work with them and being on the road and gone most every Sunday, um, I will tell you that I don't miss being on the road and gone every Sunday but there are certain places during that traveling experience, those 13 plus years that uh, we went that we truly miss. And Canadian is one of those places. We have missed being here and we have missed seeing you. And we're very glad to come back and be with you today. I want to talk to you about a winsome witness. I think we would all agree, wouldn't we, that that God has placed us on planet earth for a reason. Uh, He's created us on purpose and for a purpose. Uh, I think about those wonderful words of of where we're reminded that uh, God does his good in the lives of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we often wonder, what is that purpose? If you just read one verse further, he tells you what the purpose is, and that is for you and I to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ, his son. And that conforming is truly a transforming conforming that takes place, that we are called out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are called then to be people of light in this dark world so other people can come to know him. Jesus said, uh, he said to his disciples, that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, Acts chapter 1 and the last part of verse 8. But that witnessing, as we know, comes in many forms. Maybe it, it certainly comes in the form of preaching and preaching to larger groups of people. Sometimes it comes in the form of sharing and sharing that good news with smaller groups of people. Maybe it takes place from house to house or two by two as he sent his disciples out or as we often think of it, one-on-one. It's amazing because that witnessing can be done in a variety of ways. It can be done with a Bible in your hand or with a shovel or a rake or a paintbrush in hand as with last week, last Saturday's Go Weekend. That witnessing can be formal, it can be informal, uh, and, but, but all of it is to be done personal with a winsome spirit. You can call it whatever you want it. You can call it evangelism, you can call it uh, soul winning, you can call it uh, a witnessing, uh, you can call it testifying, but it is done for one specific purpose. And that is that people might see, might know, might uh, believe in and come to know Jesus by the word and example of your and my winsome witness. Now, whether you feel personally gifted in evangelism or not, it is the call of every believer. My position as a preacher does not make me a, uh, a soul winner. My position as a Christian makes me a soul winner. The fact is, and the good news is, God can take any man or woman, boy or girl, and and empower him or her to do extraordinary things in his kingdom uh, and in this life. 
Uh, it's not based on our power or, or cleverness or might or strength. It never has been. It has always been him. It's not about um, uh, your, 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 um, you or me. It never has been. It's been about him all the time. And we are simply called by God to plant and water, and God provides the increase, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7. Let's face it. You mentioned the word evangelism in most churches, and it evokes fear in most everybody. It strikes terror in our hearts. It causes us to tremble a little bit. And, and for many, we want to, as you have been studying, run like Jonah and get on the first ship out of Tarsus and sail in the opposite direction. Because we think immediately about evangelism as being door to door. And that has merit. But it's not the most effective way to, to stir interest in the lives and the hearts of people about Jesus Christ. Probably the champions of going door to door were the Mormons and the, and the Jehovah's Witness. But a number of years ago, the Mormons conducted a survey and they discovered that their conversion rate from going door to door was 0.1%. What that means was they converted one out of every thousand doors they knocked. But in the same survey, they discovered that the rate of conversions from people being personal, people being friends, people bringing others into their homes was 50%. They converted 50% of people they made as friends. Now, I don't agree with Mormon theology, but we can certainly learn from their methods of evangelistic work. My point is simply this. Not everyone has the gift of, every, of evangelism, but everyone has the gift. Everyone can be friendly. Everyone can be gracious. Everyone can be winsome in regards with Jesus and others. Evangelism, as a result, must be personal. That's, that's why it's called personal evangelism. It was the, the method primarily that was used by Jesus, and he did some serious teaching on the subject. You know, in, in, Matthew, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 22, in verses 34 through 40, uh, the question is asked of Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in the law. And the answer that he gives is one answer, but it has two parts, an A and B part. Part A is that you and I are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second part was equal to it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he would go on to clarify, he said that all of the law and prophets hang on these commands. Now, he has this discussion in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 10. He introduces the Shema, where you and I are to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And someone in the crowd asked Jesus when they heard that, well, well Lord, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered the question with a parable. 
the parable of the Good Samaritan, illustrating for them what it meant to be neighborly. In verse 36 then, when he finishes the parable of the Good Samaritan, he asks those who are gathered there on that occasion, which of the three, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, which of the three do you think was a neighbor or, or was, a, was a friend to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Whether well, happened to be an expert, a teacher in the law was in the crowd on that occasion. And in verse 37, uh, Luke records his words. Well, it was the one who had mercy on him. You remember what Jesus said? Go and do likewise. I want you to know I praise you. I've been following you a a lot. I've been... I love your go weekend. I still don't understand everything that's done, and in part, it's hard to keep up with you. You're all over town. You're doing so many good things doing your your go weekend. And I, listen to this, I want to thank you for doing not what good Christians do, but I want to thank you for doing what normal Christians do. This is, this is not about goodness. It's about you loving the Lord and loving your neighbor and wanting to bring the two together in some way, even in these most neighborly of ways, being neighborly with a purpose. That's what you did. Being intentional with cleanup and kindnesses that are done, wanting Jesus to be introduced. Jesus said, Do good with me in mind. And I'm thinking that the good you did just even last Saturday morning for those few hours, those of you who are a part of Go Weekend, wearing your Go t-shirts and out in this community, visible for all, the good that you did may lead to a much greater good you may get to do someday. And that is tell somebody about Jesus Christ. By the way, personal evangelism was the method that was used by the early church. You and I understand that. If you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, just we, we know these verses. It says, beginning in verse 44, that all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together, community, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You think? You think God would do that? When people are living this kind of life intentionally for him and letting their lights shine before other people, not making a lot of big fanfare about it, but just going out doing good for others. And then in chapter 3 of the book of Acts, Peter is going into the temple at noon. He encounters a lame man who's there, and the lame man wants a few coins. He's asking for that. And Peter says, I don't have any silver. I don't have any gold with me, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, take up your bed and walk. 
And in verse 10, the people who were there and saw the miracle were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Good was done. And that good that was done on that occasion opened the door to many hearts to hear about Jesus Christ. And then you turn another page and you get to Acts chapter 4. And, and it, you hear familiar words in beginning in verse 32 that all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. It's, it's really a very simple equation, this personal evangelism that we're talking about. It's simply good people doing good to everyone, sharing the gospel, and experiencing good results. And, it, and that formula hasn't changed in thousands of years. When Jesus introduced it and taught it, when the early church began to model this and practice this of, of acts of service and compassion and benevolence that are all at the heart of true personal evangelism. And that's not my conclusion. That's the conclusion of Jesus Christ. Go and do likewise. By the way, it was the same method that was used by the Apostle Paul. And I want you to turn your Bibles here because this is the real meat and the heart of the lesson today is in this text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 12. I want to share with you quickly there are three components that make up what we have always heard being called personal evangelism. The first of those components is information information. Now, let me get over here in my text, and I want to just read through these things very, very quickly, and we'll find out these lessons that Paul was, is teaching us today. All right, here we go. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, he says, you know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts you know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you, nor anyone else. I'm here to tell you today that you and I possess the greatest information about the greatest person who has ever walked on planet Earth. And Paul had that information as well. And you can sense in these words an, uh, an urgency, 
an urgency of personally sharing that information with these people that he met initially, people who were living in darkness who needed to hear about the Lord. In in verse 2 of the text, from the message he says, in spite of strong opposition, we didn't hesitate. We didn't hold back to tell you about Jesus Christ. Paul knew that these people were dying in their sins. He knew that Jesus was their only hope. And no matter what would happen to him in the process, he knew they needed to hear the good news about Jesus Christ. Now, if you have your Bibles, you could flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 because he's several times already, we've heard the phrase or the word gospel. Uh, a word that these Christians in Corinth heard and believed and responded to, which is the greatest story on earth, the story about Jesus called the gospel. He says in verse 1, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you are taking your stand. And by this gospel, you are saved. I preached it, you received it, you're standing rock solid on it, and on it you are saved. And that gospel he is going to define very, very clearly for us. And I, and I say this, I'm pointing this out to you because sometimes our fear about evangelism is because of our misunderstanding of what the gospel is. Because Our understanding of the gospel is between A to Z. When Paul is saying, no, it's one, two, three, that's the gospel. And as long as you know that, you can share that with anyone. Anyone can share that message. And it is a powerful message. And so he says in verses 3 and 4, he says, I pass on to you as of first importance, which you, he says, that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. Key words here, died, buried, raised. Say those words with me, please. Died, buried, raised. Say that with me again. Died, buried, raised. Now, you know the gospel. Go and do likewise. That's the gospel. It's the gospel that you've had preached to you. It's the gospel that you have received. It's the gospel that you stand on. And it is the same gospel that saves you. And all you and I are being asked to do is make this personal and do it in a winsome way. Ah, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14, Paul says, for Christ's love compels us, compels. I mean, he just, he had to share the gospel. You you couldn't keep him from sharing the gospel. He's going to pop if he doesn't share the gospel. It's that important. It's important to him. It's changed his life. Uh, It's got future, it's got hope, it's got eternity written all over it. And it's not to be kept to himself, by himself, on his own. And the word compel there reminds me of of, uh, 
what you and I experience every day. At your house, you've got water faucets inside and outside your house. Every time you go to a water faucet, whether it's in the bathroom, whether it's in the kitchen, whether it's on the, uh, outside on the wall that you hook a hose up to, every time you crank the little lever on, on that faucet, you expect water to flow from the faucet. Now, part of the reason is from you got some hills here, which is really nice, and you got this really good-looking water tower, and it's filled with water in the top, and that water's got weight. And when you turn on the faucet, the weight of the water in the tower and the weight from the hills compels the water to come out your pipes into your glass or into your mouth. It compels the water to do that, and you expect it to do that. And Paul speaks of that compelling nature, but the compelling nature isn't from a water tower in this particular case. The compelling nature here for him is Christ's love and Christ's mercy and and God's grace that compels you. It leaves you no choice. You know why so many Christians don't tell other people about Jesus Christ? It's not that they're ashamed about Jesus Christ. It's that they're afraid. They're afraid that they will not know the answers to difficult questions, religious questions that friends might ask them. And not about Jesus oftentimes, but about lots of other things, about church stuff and Bible things. And I would say, in the right moment, talk to them about those things. I'm just telling you the very first thing that ought to be coming out of your mouth when you when you just meet somebody and you begin to talk about religious things as you need to talk about Jesus the Jesus that you know the Jesus that you've embraced tell them about the Jesus who lived and died so that they can have a life to live. The most effective way to tell someone about Jesus is as a part of your everyday conversation. And I, I don't mean preach a sermon every time you turn around or quote scripture every time you turn around when you're with friends. I'm just talking, I'm just saying, let Jesus come out naturally. Somebody stops you on the street in your go shirt, and they say, why are you guys doing this? Say, well, hey, listen, we're part of this community, and, and we'll just let you know we love Jesus. And Jesus said to do good to all men. And, and we're just trying to do good in this community in the name of Jesus Christ. Bring him up. Don't be ashamed or fearful to bring up the name of the Lord and give him credit. Share freely what Christ has done and is doing for you and and do that personally. Nobody can tell your story with Jesus better than you. I might be able to relate it to somebody after you tell me about it, but it means a lot more when it comes from you. It means a lot more when you say, man, I was living this way and now I'm living another. Sounds like the chosen, doesn't it? I was living this way and now I'm living another way. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. 
Live your life intentionally for Jesus so uh, before others that they may see your good works and, and glorify your Father in heaven, that they might catch a glimpse of Jesus in action in you. And more than that, pray. Pray for and expect God to bring people into the circle of, of your life with whom you can share Jesus and the greatest story that has ever been told. The second thing that Paul talks about, or this component of of evangelism, is participation. Look beginning then at uh, the last uh, last part of verse 6. He says, as apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. But we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God but all our lives as well. Because you became so dear to us, surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. What does participation mean? It just simply means getting involved with people. It means building relationships. It means getting personal. In verse 7, he says, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother, tenderly caring for his, her children. There is no way we're going to bring people to Jesus without that, without that spirit. We're, we're, we're not inviting any of you to debate, we're not any of, inviting any of you to argue religious differences, and we're certainly not asking you to be rude with the truth. We're not asking you to be, be hard or harsh or sarcastic or obnoxious. There have been a, a lot of Christians who've, tied, who've tried that particular method, and it doesn't work. You know the number one peop, reason people will visit a church? They know Christians who go there. You know the number one reason why people won't go visit a church? They know Christians who go there. How'd Paul treat the Thessalonians? With love, with compassion, with gentleness. He said in verse 8, We loved you so much that not only were we wanting to share the gospel, death, burial, resurrection, but our lives as well. And you know what that is? Personal evangelism. If you care about people, they're more likely to care about what you believe about Jesus Christ. So let me just insert this. How, how do we do that? I have more that I would say, but I'm, gonna just, I'm just gonna give you the highlights and just make it quick on you here. How do we show people that we care about them. Number one, be friendly. This isn't rocket science. Be friendly. Number two, share yourself. Share yourself. We've, we've, I've heard this in class. I've heard this in some of the comments already in our worship about opening our homes, being a community, commune with one another, that we were reminded of, of doing that and in, in that sir, uh, by that young man who did so well. Share your interests and your likes and your dislikes. Be real. Be genuine. Take off your masks. Experience life with people. Invite them to join you for worship, but don't force it. Don't force it. Just keep the door open. Man, I'd love for you to come with me sometime. And when you do, I'll be thrilled to see you there.
When you share, they'll know you care and that you're not trying to trick them or deceive them. So live what you say you believe. And number three, we need to be helpful to people, which is what y'all were doing last Saturday morning, helpful in this community. You think about Matthew chapter 25 and verses uh, 34 through 36. Man, those words are, that, those, that text is ripe with 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 blessing for both the helper and the helped. He's talking about this judgment scene, the sheep and the goats, you know, and the dividing of the two. And he, and he goes on to say that uh, blessed are you and the kingdom is waiting for you because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came by and cared for me. And their question is, well, when did we do that for you, Lord? And he said, as often as you've done it for the least of these, you've done it for me. That's genuine. That's personal. It's up close. I, I love what you do on Go Weekend. But I want to encourage you to do a bit of going every day. Every day. Be intentional about it. Paul writes in Galatians 6, do good to all people, regardless of the result. I mean this in a kind way. Wear them down with your goodness. Wear them down with your goodness you're never going to do wrong doing right. Being good and helpful is not, though, what you do. It's who you are. So keep on loving and serving, even if a person doesn't immediately show interest or jump into the baptistry off the, at the first time. You may not be the most gifted in evangelism or the most teaching may not be your gift, you can be a friend to someone and you can be a friend for Jesus. And so here, those are three things there. And then here's this last, here's this last component of personal evangelism. It's demonstration. Look at these last words here, beginning in 10. You are witnesses and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For we, you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. This third component introduces the fourth thing about how do we show people that we care, and it's simply be Jesus. Be Jesus in the world today. He loved all and he, would, would, he withheld service to no one. He would teach anyone and God his Father was glorified because of that. And there's a crucial ingredient of, of, of this demonstration and it's found in Philippians chapter 2 verses 6 through 8 and it's found in these words that Jesus emptied and humbled himself taking the form of a servant. Here's another way to say it, and this is not original to me. I don't know who said it. I put it in quotes, but I didn't write down who said it. Do whatever it takes to defy gravity. We're talking about humility here. Do whatever it takes to defy gra or conquer gravity.
gravity. We're talking about downward mobility. That the way up is is to go down, is to serve with your heart, to yield yourself, your will, your purpose, your pride, and give of yourself as a servant. A a preacher from years and years ago, A.E. Witham, used to tell the story of a dream he had. He'd have it frequently of being in heaven. And and he was on a tour of the heavenly city, and he always ended up in heaven's museum. And all the big and famous things he thought would be there in the museum weren't there. But the widow's mite was there. A feather from a little bird was there. Three rusty nails were there. A few thorns were there. And a little cup that you could pour some cold water in was there. Well, he turned to the guide and he said, is there a towel and a basin for water here in the museum? And the guide said, oh, no, because up here in heaven, they're in constant use. Wow. Serving other people. William Booth, you may not recognize that name. Um, He's long since gone, but he was the founder of the Salvation Army. He was invited to go speak at a convention but he got sick and he couldn't go. And this is such an older, in an older time, it's a true story about him. He didn't text and he didn't, he didn't fax. He, he didn't do all the things that we can do to get today. He cabled his speech. And when the cable arrived, it only had one word. Others. Others. There is no opportunity beneath your willingness to serve others. Be like Jesus and live like Jesus. Paul says in this text in verse 10, you and God are witnesses of how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behaved toward you. Live like Jesus and love them like Jesus. I bought tickets the other day to Casting Crowns in October. Can't wait, man, to go hear Casting Crowns sing at the convention center. One of their old songs is, has that title, Love Them Like Jesus. And in some verses that are very stirring of people in very difficult moments and situations in life, I mean, those words will challenge you, but I knew I was going to be long, so I didn't include those. I'm just going to tell you the chorus. It just says, Love them like Jesus. Love them like Jesus. You don't need the answers to all of life's questions. Just know that he loves them and stay by their side. Love them like Jesus. And I'm just telling you folks, that's personal evangelism. It's a life lived for Jesus with intention, on purpose and for a purpose, and done personally. Only you can get others to believe in Jesus if you believe in Jesus. 
And, and the only way you can get others to belong to Jesus is if you belong to Jesus. And so I just simply say, tell them about the Jesus that you love. Point them to Jesus with your winsome witness. Oh, and that Jesus calls you. Come as we stand and sing.